1: 2 Timothy, this is where we left off on Wednesday night. So we are talking about the very fact that Jesus made a statement in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We have the ability to hear the voice of our shepherd. Aren't you glad? And if we hear his voice and we follow him, We walk out what he is directing us to do. Not only will he know us intimately, we'll know him intimately. And we'll walk in the purpose and plan of God for our life. If you walk in the purpose and plan of God for your life, let me help you. There is no failure. There is no defeat. God's not a God who actually plans anything a failure. Everything God plans is a success. Everything God places in place before us that we have an opportunity to walk out uh, in our life will lead us to a success in our life. It will help us to walk in victory. It will help us to walk in a good plan. Actually, hold your place there. I, I kind of feel led to go back to this verse. Ephesians chapter 2. Go back with me for just a moment to Ephesians chapter 2, real quick, verse 10. Or just listen carefully. For we are his workmanship. Say, that's me. That's me created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. For the good life that he planned for us which God prepared beforehand that we should do what? Walk in them. That we should walk in the good works of the pathway of what God had already planned for our life in every realm. In our personal life, in our family, in our aspects of what we do in walking in out what God wants us to do with the actual working of our life with the jobs we have or the business we own or whatever. God has good works laid out for us and pre-planned. And all you got to do is learn to listen to His voice and follow Him. And if you do, you'll walk in that plan. Anybody want to do that? So, we've been talking about how to actually hear and receive direction from God and follow it. Now, we talk about hearing God's voice. We're not talking about like hearing in your ear a natural voice. Understand that that is not what this is talking about in relationship to God speaking to us. Because before we touch on this verse again, I want to reveal something significant we've talked about before in this church many times. You are a spirit, say, I am a spirit. Yes. You have a soul, say, I have a soul. And say this, I live in a body. So let's look at you as a three-part being for a minute, all right? How you communicate with different aspects of different things around you. What does your body communicate with? Your body communicates with the natural realm. How do you communicate with anything in this natural realm? Your body, your eyes, your ears, right? If I'm going to communicate what this pulpit feels like in relationship to what I know it feels like, I'm going to have to touch it with my natural hand. It's a natural thing in the natural that I can actually pick up communication from as to how it feels, what it looks like. Amen? Or even if you were listening to something that was being said in the natural. So how do we communicate with the natural realm? Our bodies. How do we communicate with the realm of reason? Our soul. Our mind, will, and emotions. None of this is yet communicating with God God's not a quote-unquote person in the essence of a person in relating to just who he is of reason. He re, he's reasonable, but he's a spirit. Right. He's not reason, he's a spirit. So how do we relate to stuff in the natural relationship to that which we have in, in aspects of reason? Our soul, mind, will, and emotions. So how do we relate to the spirit realm? How do we communicate would be a better way to say it. How do we communicate in the natural body? How do we communicate in the realm of reason? Soul. Soul. How do we communicate with the spirit realm, spirit. with your spirit man? Now, hard to figure out. Nope. What's God? He's a spirit. spirit. How are you going to communicate with God through your spirit, spirit. by way of the Holy. Holy Spirit? So we've seen this in John 16. He gave us a guide. Aren't you glad? Yes. And that guide is the Holy Spirit, who's going to guide us through what our spirit. Yes. And the reason I bring that up again is because when we first talk about the Word and the significance of how that leads us, it's more than natural reason. It's more than just what your mind tells you. God wants you to get a hold of it as revelation in your heart. Because when the word becomes revelation in your heart, now what you're living out is an act of faith. When faith goes to work, power goes into operation. If you just go by reason of what the word says as it relates to healing, you won't get healed. You got to believe it in your heart you got to get that word alive in your heart. You can know what the Bible says to do about relationship to healing, but until it becomes alive in your heart, there's no faith there. And once faith comes, guess what you can do? You can receive what God provided in the realm of healing. Could I get a better amen? Amen. So when we look at this in relationship to the word, we're not just talking about reason of the word. We're talking about getting revelation of it in our spirit, man. So how does God lead us? Well, He he provided a guide, the Holy Spirit. Who's the source in which actually leads us? The Holy Spirit. But how does He do that? Two ways, through the Word and the witness. Amen? So we're starting with the Word because guess what He's going to begin with in our life? The Word of God. Simplest way to be led. Simplest way to be led. Open the Bible. Find out what the Word says. Now, I'm not telling you wait till it's revelation to start doing it. Start acting on it, but continue to ask the Holy Spirit to bring that alive in your heart. Let Him make that real to you. Like example, okay? I didn't start tithing just because in my brain it seemed like the thing to do. I heard about tithing for a long time when I first started going to church. You know why I started tithing? Not because I reasoned out. You know what? This seems to make good sense. This really seems to be something I should be doing. No, I didn't tithe for that reason. If you tithe for the realm of, for the uh, aspect of reason, guess what you're going to do? You're eventually going to quit tithing. You know why? Because you're doing it with your natural man. There's no faith involved in that. I said, there's no faith involved in that. But what if it becomes revelation in your heart? So as I kept hearing about this tithing thing, I kept believing, and this is what you do in the church. You keep hearing what God says about something. Guess what you're supposed to do? Go meditate on that. Go study that. Go look at that further. And that's exactly what I did. I kept hearing my pastor and other ministers I knew talk about tithing, talk about offerings. And I thought, I wonder if this is really what God says in his word as it relates to me. So I went to the Bible, started looking at all these verses they were talking about. And golly, Gomer, guess what happened? I got revelation in my heart. The Holy Spirit gave me confirmation in my heart. He gave me the very teaching of the confirmation in my heart. This is God. This is exactly what God wants to do to provide for your life. And when faith rose in my heart, I had no problem tithing. I've never had a problem tithing since then. The reason a lot of Christians have a problem tithing is because you've never taken time to let the Holy Spirit teach you about tithing. You've just let man talk to you about it. But when you sit and receive revelation by the Holy Spirit, that now becomes what? That now becomes something the Holy Spirit puts in your heart as a way of revelation. It ain't hard to tie it unless you do what? Rebel against God. Because at that point, you're going to just simply choose to follow your flesh or obey what your spirit's telling you to do. Any good amens on that. So realize even the word as it relates to me and you being led by the word. Yeah, we see what it says and we should put application to it. But we should do so by what? Continually meditating on it until it becomes real to us. You shouldn't come to church because your pastor tells you. You shouldn't forgive because your pastor tells you. You should do those things because you know in your heart the Holy Spirit's revealed. This is good for my life. This is what I need to do. And when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, who literally is your true teacher, the book of John says, uh, 3 John, guess what? Now it becomes revelation in your heart. You have the ability to now walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So you don't go by what you see anymore. Even when the natural tells you not to tithe, guess what my heart says? No, I can tithe because I know this is true. Amen. And that was by revelation of the Holy Spirit, not just by what somebody said. Right. So if you see this in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, he's going to lead us out through the word... <laughs> And through the inward witness. So we're starting with the word. Here's why. Two reasons why you need to understand, know, and live in the Bible as it relates to God leading you. Here's why. One, because whatever God said in that word that he still has available for us to walk in today needs to be a part of our lifestyle because it's a part of that path that he has for us to walk on. You listening? The more I practice that, the more I begin to get revelation of it, the more it begins to become real in my heart as I meditate on it. And now all of a sudden it becomes a part of my lifestyle. Well, what am I now walking out as I'm walking out the word, God's plan. I'm walking down that right pathway. The other thing that you need to understand about the significance of the word and walking out God's will for your life is because as you start learning later or even developing more about following the inward witness in your life, there will be things in your life that you obviously have to make decisions on. You can't go find a verse black and white in the Bible for. There's no verse in there tells you to marry. There's no verse tells you not to marry. There's no verse in there tells you buy this car, don't buy that car. Buy this home, don't buy that home. There's no verse in there for that. Are you listening? Yeah. Now, you can just go buy the natural, just keep throwing your money into whatever you want to buy. But you can keep wasting money that way. Right. I did once. Yeah. I told you my story about buying a car that I knew in my spirit God told me not to buy. But I'm bought not like I heard a word from God. I just knew as I drove it for the last time in a test drive, I had no peace about it at all. And I went ahead and bought it anyway. And I had all kinds of problems with it, didn't I, Josh? <laughs> My helper mechanic, Josh, had to help me replace the motor in that car. Well, God knew that forever I ever bought it. Right. Right. Amen. You're awful quiet today. Yes. So you got to understand the Word not only helps me to know specifics of what to do. How would that help me in making a decision like that? Here's how. Because I get to know the character of God. I get to know the personality of God. I get to know God himself. And as I do, I begin to get to realize things that are clear in the Bible that would reveal to me a direction God wants me to go and a direction he doesn't want me to go. So in the case of buying a home, well, I'm going to stretch myself. It's a home I really want. I know we'll barely be able to make the payments, but I think we ought to buy it anyway. I can tell you right now, that's not the character and nature of God in the Bible because he's not going to want you to be maxed out on a home payment and realize that things are going to come that you didn't plan on. Including in the home you bought. And therefore, if you're maxed out on your payments, guess what? You're not going to have money to do anything else. So even the Bible and the character and nature of God would tell you not to do that. So this is why the word is so significant in following the leading of God for our life. Aren't you glad we can be led by God? All Scripture, 2, Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek there says it's God-breathed. So we know the Holy Spirit is the one that brought this into existence for us to have to be able to help lead us in our life. Notice it's profitable. Say profitable. Why? Because following God's plan is never going to take away from you in the sense that that which is profitable, oh, it might take some stuff away from you. If you follow God, you might lose some friends over it. But that ain't a bad thing. If you need to lose some friends over it, they weren't good friends to begin with. So, realize in the sense takeaway, I'm just saying taking away things that obviously aren't profitable for your life. In you following out God's word for your life, it is what? Profitable. And this is profitable for what? The word. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in what? Doing what's right in the sight of God. Look at this, look at this 17. That the man of God, now that's not male, that's just talking about anybody who's a child of God born again, that the man of God may be what? Tell me. Now tell me, please complete and thoroughly what? Equipped for what's a good work? What God has planned for your life. How many want to be complete? Complete means you don't lack anything you need. How many want to be thoroughly equipped to walk in all that God has good for your life? Well, what's the first key to us doing that and following God? We got to follow the word. We got to apply the word to our life. We got to get it working in our life and get it revelation in our heart. I like this in the complete Jewish Bible. The complete Jewish Bible of verse 16 says, All scriptures God breathed, and it's valuable for teaching the truth. So if this word is going to help guide us and direct our life, guess what we need to do? We need to hear the truth taught. We need to be somewhere where people don't give us their opinion, right? Or tickle our itching ears. We need people to just tell us, what does the Bible say? Whether I in the flesh want to hear it or not, just tell me what the Bible has to say. And if I'm willing to receive this truth that's being taught, guess what's going to come as the truth is being taught. Number two, a conviction of sin. He says here in the complete Jewish Bible, the phrase for reproof is a convicting of sin, a convicting of wrong. When the truth gets taught, how many of you know that we still have areas to correct in our life? I do. You? We all do, right? To some degree. So, when the word of truth is taught, guess what happens? We consistently hear things from the word that will deal with parts of our life to reveal to us sin just simply means you're missing the mark. What if you're out of the will of God? And you're missing the mark. Right. So, all the word's gonna do is say, if you're not living according to this as scripture teaches, you're missing the mark. And the Holy Spirit, by your spirit, will bring a conviction of missing the mark. That's reproof. And then he'll bring what? The third thing? Correction. The complete Jewish Bible says correcting faults. So, in other words, I'm going to show you how to fix it. I'm not just going to reveal where you're missing it. I'm going to show you what you do to fix it. I'm going to show you from the Word of God how to correct it. And as you receive that correction, guess what I'm now doing? I'm instructing you now. So, he's not correcting anymore. He's now instructing us in doing what's right. How many of you ever heard this phrase? If I've told you something once and you don't do it, and I got to tell you again, this is not instruction any longer. This is correction, right? And if you receive it as correction, and I continue to obviously encourage or ask you to do that, it's no longer correction. Now it's just instruction. So whether it's correction or instruction is up to us. When God reveals a wrong and shows us how to correct it, initially it's correction. If I make the correction, guess what I'm now walking in? Instruction in doing what's right. I'm doing what's right in the sight of God. If you're doing what's right in the sight of God, whose path are you on? His. Whose plan are you walking out? His. Will it succeed? You bet it will. Will it profit you? You bet it will. Right? Back to the proverb. Many plans in a man's heart. But it's God's counsel. It's His intention that He has for your life that will stand. So what's one of the keys to walking that out? You and I have to understand, according to the New Testament, what God has planned for our life as a New Testament believer. What does He want me? Basics of Christianity. What does He want me doing according to the New Testament? Well, if you don't know that, you're missing out on the number one way God guides and leads us. Because the first way God guides and leads us is through the Word. And realize without us saying, staying consistently in the word, we're not going to have that guidance that we need. Because there ain't a one of us. How many of you are perfected yet? Let me see if your hands, if you're perfected. Let me see if your hand, You're okay, so not even I am. We all still need what? We still need teaching of truth. And when teaching of truth comes, at times what comes with it? A revealing of wrong. And then the way to correct it. And when we honor that and correct it, guess what happens? We now walk in instruction. Of doing what's right. Another way to say it. I'm walking in God's plan. I'm walking in what he pre-planned for me to walk in. Which is what? A good plan. It'll profit my life. It'll help my life. Ladies and gentlemen. Every decision you're making in your life should be determined based on the word of God and the Edward witness. I got to deal with that with every decision? Well, I'll just tell you like a, a guy actually told an a actual a person that came to him, a dentist had a guy come to him to have his teeth worked on and saw that they were pretty bad and he doesn't floss and all that stuff. He said, you need to start flossing every day. I got to floss every tooth? No, just the ones you want to keep. <laughs> you don't have to floss every tooth, but if you want to keep better you better start doing it. Now, I'm not a real good flosser, by the way. But I'm just explaining to you, guess what? I got to do all that the Bible says. Not if you don't want to walk in God's path, you don't. I got to walk in all that God's Word says about the relationship to my husband or wife. If you want the plan that God has for your marriage. I got to walk in all the Bible says about raising my kids, but I don't like doing that part. Well, then you're not going to get what God has as a pathway for you to raise your kids. It's up to you. It's up to you. You get to decide. You get to choose. But thank God you and I can walk out Is a basic in Basically, again, a, what is a good plan for our life? A plan that's profitable. All we got to do is do what? Hear his voice and follow it. So what's the number one way God speaks to us every day right here? Word. word of God. And if you're not in this every day, guess what you're missing? Guess what you're missing? His instruction. You're missing what he wants you to hear for today. You're missing what he wants you to hear about your life. Amen? Yeah. Go to Matthew 4. Let me show you the significance of this in your life, Matthew chapter 4. Now, I'm going to tell you again, as I've read it many times, we don't go to the Bible and read it because it's some religious exercise we have to do. This is God speaking with us. When we sit down and we learn about what God tells us about our life, about how we're to live, what we're to do, et cetera, and we receive it, it's the same as if God came in the room and sat down with you and had a conversation with you. Amen. How many would think it would be cool to have a conversation with God every day of your life to talk to God and listen to Him? How I many that would be cool? You can do it. All you gotta do is open your Bible every single day. Treat it like you are sitting there with the Lord and He is revealing to you things He wants you to see, things He'll encourage you in, things He'll strengthen you in, things He'll remind you of, and yes, even things He'll still correct you about. Even through your pastor. Because it's not your pastor correcting you, it's the Word of God. Matthew 4, if I receive the correction, will it go well with me? You bet it will. In Matthew chapter 4, here Jesus in the wilderness time of temptation reveals a powerful truth in this temptation that he was going through in the wilderness from the very get-go. Matthew 4 verse 1, Jesus was led by what? Underline that. What was he led by? He's your model. He's your example. If he was led by the Spirit, so should we be. And thank God we can. Amen. I said, thank God we can. Amen. So why did Jesus go into the wilderness? The, the Holy Spirit led him out there. Amen. Directed him out there. He had an inward leading. had an inward witness. So notice, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In this case, to be tempted by the devil. Well, that don't sound like a very good plan. Oh, it was a great plan. Because he was overcoming temptation for me and you. Right. It was helping us to be victorious over being tempted. Because unless he was tempted, he could not pay the price for our sin. He had to be tempted in all things, yet without sin. Verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was what? How many think you would be? Most of you probably can't already make a day without getting (laughs) point of deal with your flesh, right? 40 days and 40 nights. 3, when the tempter came to him. When the tempter came, he said, "If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread." So what's he appealing to here? His physical body? He's been fasting 40 days, no food. Obviously the devil knows physically he's got to be hungry. What is, and this is the key of how Satan tries to lead us. What is Satan trying to do here? What's he trying to do? Does anybody know? He's trying to lead Jesus. He's trying to get him to follow his plan. He don't want him to follow God's plan? If he follows God's plan, he's in trouble. He don't want that. Guess what he's got to do? i got to convince him to follow me. i got to convince him to follow my plan. Now, does this look like some evil, wicked thing for somebody who's been fastened for 40 days to be tempted to turn the stones into bread, which he could do? Does it seem like a wicked, evil thing? No, it would seem like the normal thing in the sense that you've been without food for 40 days. Surely you got to be hungry. Why don't you just command the stones to become bread? Why don't you feed your body? Sure, your body's got to want some food at this point. Man, just command those stones to turn into bread. I'm going to tell you what the devil's going to do for you, no different than Jesus, to actually try to lead you astray and take advantage of your life and lead you down the path he wants you to go. He's going to tempt you with things of the natural. He's not going to tempt you from the things of the spiritual. He's going to tempt you with things of the natural. Bible says we are tempted in all things common to man. That's not spirit, that's man, that's humans. So what he's going to tempt you with is always going to be in the natural. This is why we are not led by things in the natural. We are not led by opportunity. Now listen, when I say not led by opportunity, if you're without a job, you better get a job. That don't mean it might be the ultimate job that God has for you. But if you don't work, guess what the Bible says you don't do? You don't eat. Well, I'm waiting for the perfect job. You could be waiting a long time for the perfect job. You don't realize by taking a job, I don't have time to go there, but we had a gal, Julie Shibe, who was in need of a job in our church years ago, who's now moved down with her mom, and she was need of it, and the job that was available at the time did not pay enough for her to pay her bills. Right. But she said, but you know what, Pastor? You ready? You ready? Yeah. I got a piece about taking the job. Yeah. Then take the job, Julie. Right. And she did. Within weeks, she got an opportunity in that same, ch- in that same place to actually now to take a job that she was really good at, that she would have not gotten had she not taken the first job. You listening? What determined whether she took that job or not? Guess what it wasn't? It wasn't the pay. You know what it was? Inward witness. And God led her to take it. When she did, within literally two months, she's in a position now where she's running a department by herself. You listening? And, and when they asked her, how much do you need to get paid? She just figured up just enough to pay her bills. You know what they said? Well, we happen to know people get paid more than that for what you're doing. So even though that's what you're asking for, we're going to give you more. Amen. Awesome. Now, that would have never happened if you just go by the natural. If you just go by opportunity, if you just go by what the job pays, if you just go by what it looks in the natural, See, Satan is going to do everything he can to tempt you in the natural to follow him, to follow his plan. Say, I don't go by the natural. Come on, how many people have you ever heard say, well, man, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why you're probably dealing with all this sickness and disease and all these problems and all this actual lack of work and all this stuff. God must be trying to teach you something. How? God's trying to teach you through sickness and disease? God's trying to teach you by taking a job away? You know what that's like? That's like (laughs) whack-a-mole. You know, well, God's just whacking you every time you get out of line. He's trying to teach you something. I'll guarantee you what? God don't use whack mo tactics to teach you anything. You listening? He don't whack you in the head when you goof up. His Holy Spirit may convict your heart, but he don't whack you in the head. It ain't based on what goes on in the natural. Because, see, that was Job's friend's problem. They thought everything that was going on with Job obviously had to mean God was really mad at you, ticked off, and you done all these things wrong and done this and done that. Truth is, Job just got out of faith. And God got him back in faith, and when God got him back in faith, God restored not only what he lost, but even more. God get a better amen. Amen. So understand this. God doesn't lead by natural circumstances. Who does? Satan does. Satan does. When I met Kathy, I didn't, based on the fact she was beautiful, and I really liked her in that sense of the natural, that that was the reason I was to marry her. I didn't go by that. I went by an inward witness. I went by the Holy Spirit confirming in my heart that this was my wife. Now, I didn't come to her the next time I saw her and say, you know what the Holy Spirit told me? You listening? I've known people that went to Rhema uh, under Brother Hagin. And he said, it's so funny to watch first-year students. He said, you always catch these little ladies or guys off in the corner somewhere saying, see that gal? I'm going to marry her. See that guy? I'm going to marry him. All the time, all the time. This goes on all the time. He said, isn't it interesting that he hasn't told them that yet? Don't you think he'd tell them that? Well, he did tell her. I said, he did tell her. You can't go by just what you think. In that case, somebody else needs to have a witness on that. Right. But understand this. God's not going to lead you by natural circumstances. Right. Just because somebody looks beautiful or sweet to you or nice to you whatever means you should hang out with them. They could be a pawn of the devil. Right. Right. They could be somebody Satan's using to try to take advantage of your life. Right. Or you could just be missing God. But right. you're still here. Amen. you got to understand, folks, that realize... That the devil does not lead through natural circumstances. Excuse me. God does not lead through natural circumstances. The devil does. Just like this. This is how he tempts. Is he tempting Jesus spiritually? No. He's tempting him in a physical realm. Because he's hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. But notice what Jesus said. Verse 4. You still with me? Jesus answered and said, it is written. Say it's written. So he didn't even come up with his own words on this. He just said what the Father said from the Old Testament. It is written, man shall not do what? Live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, not only did he address the temptation, but he gave you a great spiritual truth. I said he gave you a great spiritual truth. If you want to truly live the kind of life God has for you, it is not by natural things alone. But sadly, you want to know why a lot of Christians are not living the kind of life God wants for them? Because they do what they do day in and day out. By natural means alone, the decisions they make, where they go, what they do is by natural means alone. If you follow natural means alone by what you do, where you go, what you say, etc, guess what you 're not walking god 's plan out man doesn 't live by bread alone. you do have to have food, you have to have some kind of food to keep your body functioning right. but he 's saying but that 's not how you live out true. life is by the natural alone. You have to have some things in the natural. But guess what? You live by every word. Say every word. Every word. Say every word. every word. So how are you and I going to walk out the life God has for us? Not by a few words. Not by the ones you just like. No. But by every word. Right. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I mean, you know, there's some things God says to us in the Bible that some people don't like hearing. Right. You want to walk in true life? Guess what you got to do? You got to line up with every word. Amen. If you want to walk in the life that God has for you, so he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. To live here is powerful. This means, to, you ready? To enjoy real life, active, blessed, and endless. When you look this up in the Greek language, he says, how many want to re- live the real life, the real life that's active, blessed, and endless? Because yeah. guess what God's plan has for you? No end. No end. It, just, it just keeps increasing more and more and more of what God has for your future. You listening? God don't have a plan that dead ends with you. That plan goes on for all eternity. What he wants you to do now is just going to continue on in all of eternity. For what he has for you to fulfill in eternity. He has a plan for you even in the future. Say, I can enjoy real life, active, blessed, and endless. But how do you do that according to this verse? What must you do to actually have that kind of a life? You can't live by bread alone. So here's here's the simple spiritual truth, Jesus said. If you're only going by the natural bread alone, you're not gonna live a life that's active, blessed, and endless. You listening? What's natural bed? Natural realm. If you're just going by what's in the natural realm alone, you don't know how to hear God's voice. You're not following the word. You're not doing what the word says. What are you walking by? You're living a life that's far below true life. You can't live the kind of God life he wants you to have, active, blessed, and endless, by just doing what the natural tells you, by just going by the natural. You've got to learn to hear from God's word what he's saying to you. Read it again. Man shall not live, enjoy true life by bread alone, but by every word. Say every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So where do we start to live that kind of life? You go to the Bible and you start consuming the Bible. You come to the house of God every time you can when the doors open and you come and hear the teaching of the word so that you can receive any correction that you need to make. Come on, any reminders of things you've done already to correct stuff in your life so you don't go back that way. Right, Right. And receive instruction to keep doing what's right. And if you do, guess what you're walking out? You're walking out a life that God had planned for you. Listening? That is what? It is endless, it is blessed, and it is an active life. Meaning what? It is true life. It brings true peace, it brings true joy, it brings true contentment. I can tell you right now, I wanted to do this today, I didn't have time. I wanted to put a whiteboard up here, put a line down this whiteboard, and put on one side stress, fear worry anger all these things frustration all this stuff and realize if any of those apply to you guess what you're not walking in you're not walking in God's plan none of that, none of that is God's plan none of that is God's plan look what Paul went through he wasn't frustrated he wasn't stressed he wasn't fearful because he was walking in the perfect plan of God can I get a better amen you can make your own little list on the other side put the opposites of all those Peace, joy, love, contentment, come on, goodness, healing, deliverance, freedom, liberty. See, on that on that side is all the things you get when you do what? What the Word of God says. Right? John 8, 31, 32. If, if you are a disciple of Jesus, what do you do? You abide in the Word. You live in and by the Word of God. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples. Indeed, verse 31, verse 32, you shall know the truth. What will you know? What will you know? And that truth to do what? It'll free you from all of what Satan wants to do to take advantage of your life. It'll free you from frustration and fear and worry and stress and all these things that people get caught up with. But if you're living your life based on natural means alone, but this is my schedule, you better start looking at it and say, God, is any part of this not you? Is any part of this what you never planned for my life, what you never wanted me to do? Because if I'm doing stuff you never planned for my life, I'm not going to experience the good life you have. I'm going by the natural. I'm going by what's happening just in the natural. Come on, somebody. See, there's no place in the Bible anybody led by God went by what they saw in the natural. They went by what God told them in their spirit or by in the Old Testament or by the prophets in the Old Testament. And oftentimes, it went contrary to what you thought in the natural. Build a boat, Noah. Build a what? How I many you know on the day the flood came, right. Noah was so glad that he heard and obeyed. He didn't just hear. He obeyed God's voice. What if he wouldn't have done that? Even in the midst of total, continual persecution from others. You listening? I mean, his day was a dark day. And the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness by what he was doing. He was showing people the way to the right kind of life that God had for them. But they chose to keep doing their own thing. You think they didn't mock him, make fun of him, ridicule him, say all kinds of things about him? You ought to hear what they're saying about me, Pastor. Probably not as bad as what they said about Noah. Let the day of the flood come you know how many people I don't want to see it happen but it's going to you know how many people are going to actually wake up on the day when the rapture takes place and realize what you were saying all along was true true, about lukewarm Christians oh they're going to find out what lukewarm really means because a lot of people think we're exaggerating this stuff this is what the Bible says but what if I walk in the word what if I walk out what the Bible says then I walk out the plan of God you know what that plan of God includes for the New Testament believer? Rapture. Yes. <laughs> yes. Rapture. Yes. But what if I'm lukewarm? No rapture. Why? You didn't walk out the plan of God. You chose not to do what Jesus warned the Laodiceans about. Right. Mercy. He warned them. Yes. You don't have to miss it. No. Amen. I said, you don't have to miss it. Right. I don't have to spew out of my mouth when I come back. If You just do what I tell you. That's right. yeah. Do what? Get serious about your walk with God again. Get rid of all this quote-unquote worldly stuff going on in your life and this love for the world and this uh, present uh, world's things, which they had plenty of. You think you're rich, but don't realize how poor and naked and miserable you are. You got all this stuff and you think you're really happy, but you don't really know how miserable you really are. Because stuff isn't where true happiness comes from. So again, he said, clearly, if you and I will learn to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, guess what you're going to walk out? A good plan. Go to Mark eleven, uh, Matthew eleven. Excuse me, Matthew eleven. And here Jesus even further kind of goes into this very statement again, relating to what we can walk out as a child of God. But to walk in the light of God's word, we have to now do what He told us in Matthew chapter eleven. We have to take on a new yoke. And a lot of Christians don't want to take on a new yoke. They want to keep do, living the yoke they're living in. Which leads to more frustration, more stress, more problems, more issues, da 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 da, that they can't seem to come up with answers for. Never have time to do anything God wants me to do. Never have time to go anywhere. God, never have time with my family. Never have time. To... Well, I'll tell you what, if all those are true, you're not walking in God's plan for your life. God wants you to be able to enjoy your family. Any good amens on that? God wants you to enjoy living this kind of life that He has already planned for you. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Matthew 11, you all awful quiet today. Would you all stay up all night last night just waiting to hear this sermon? That was probably it, huh? Couldn't wait to get to church to hear the sermon. Matthew 11, notice what Jesus said. So he is the word. Say he is the word. So if we are going to walk out God's plan, what must we do? We got to be led by the word of God. If you're led by the word of God, whose voice are you hearing? God's talking, so you're being led by him. You're hearing his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, yeah. and therefore I will know them intimately. Yeah. Matthew eleven twenty eight. To do that, you got to honor these verses here. Jesus said, "Come to me, all you who labor, 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 labor. You're growing weary day in and day out. You're getting more tired. You're just laboring away trying to get through life. You know why? You're not in God's plan." You know, what, you know why the Summeralls and, and the uh, Hagans and those guys never burned out? Because they were living out God's plan. Amen. Most of them worked harder than most of the young men around them. Right. Because the young men around them, many of them were still being led by the flesh and decisions they were making. When you're walking in God's plan, you don't burn out, ladies and gentlemen. You listening? You burn up. That's right. Our God's a consuming fire. Yeah. If you're burning out, you ain't in God's plan. You're not in God's plan. God, there ain't a single part of God's plan that's going to burn you out. Right. Well, you got to take a sabbatical. No. No. You listening? Got to take time off. Got to go, go vacation for a while from all the work I'm doing. Why don't you get in God's plan? Come on, I said, why don't you get in God's plan? I'm not saying you don't ever, in essence, in the physical, get tired, but you know what? You're empowered by God to get through it. Come to me, all you who labor and are what? Heavy laden. You're heavy laden with your own decisions. You're heavy laden with the burdens of life. You're heavy laden with what life's trying to put on you. Guess who puts you under that yoke of bondage? The devil does. That's why he wants you to follow his plan. If you're heavy laden and laboring to the degree that you're just wore out, tired, and frazzled, and frustrated, and all this kind of stuff, and stressed, I got a word for you. You got the wrong yoke on. You know what a yoke is? Remember Jesus' day? The, the yoke that they put two oxen in or two horses in? The cool part about it is, you know, if you took one horse by itself and that horse is only so strong by himself, when you had that second horse, guess what? You don't have two, two times horsepower. They say scientifically, you put that second horse in there, man, it goes up to like 10 times the normal power. Imagine yoking up with Jesus. How much better things spiritually? If one of us in perk can put a 1,000 to flight, how many can two of us put to put flight? 10,000. Not 2,000. How many think being yoked up with Jesus is a good thing? Yeah. So he said, you got to come to me. If you're laboring, you're heavy laden, and I'm going to give you what? Rest. I want you to circle that word, please. Make a note of that or underline it. Because here's the key to knowing that you're walking in God's plan. When you're walking in God's plan, guess what you're walking in eternal, internally? Rest. Amen. Rest. You're not frustrated. You're not frazzled. You're, you're not feeling uneasy all the time, and I just can't ever seem to truly ever get to a point where I have a true peace in my life anymore or joy in my life anymore. I'm going to tell you why, because you're out of God's plan. When you don't, Again, if you come to Him and you are laboring and heavy laden, what's He going to give you? What's He going to give you? What's He going to give you? Yes. Say this, if I, am, if I am in the plan of God, I have rest. I have rest. I have rest. You don't have frustration, frazzled, stressed, wore out, burden. Physically, you know, drugged down, can't do anything. No, you have rest. Notice this. How do we get it? 29. You got to take my yoke upon you. What you got to do? Take my yoke, my way of doing things. Who's he? The word. How do we take his yoke upon us? We take the word. He's the word that became flesh. John chapter one dwelt among us. How do I get into Jesus's yoke? I hook up with the word. I do what the word says. I walk in the light of the word. If I walk in the light of the word with the right intention, not doing it as a religious exercise because I feel like I got to do it because I love God and I'm excited about walking with God, guess what I'm going to get? I'm going to get rest. Take my yoke upon you. Notice this and do what? Underline it. Do what? Tell me out loud, please. Learn Learn from me. What is he? He's the word. See, I don't know it all. Guess what you need to keep doing, coming to hearing from the word of God being taught. You need to learn more. Guess what you need to do by going to the Word of God every day and fellowship with God? You need to learn more. There's more He can teach you. How many know God can teach you more than what you know? Aren't you glad you can learn more? So He said, You got to come and take my yoke upon you, get submitted unto the Word. Notice this, and do what? Learn from me. Tell me why. I'm gentle. What did He say? I'm gentle, I'm not harsh. I'm not going to harm your life. I'm gentle. And guess what else I am? I'm of of a lowly heart. Meaning what? I am somebody who is not going to lead you in a wrong direction of what man would go by walking in pride. Notice this. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will again find what? What will you find? Tell me out loud, please. Rest for your what? For your what? So where's your soul? Mind, will, and emotions. That rest will rise up out of your spirit, man, and it will do what? It will overtake your soul, and it will cause your soul to be at rest. It will cause your soul to be at peace. It will cause your soul to have great joy each day. Why? Verse 30, my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is what? You know what that means compared to Satan's? Satan's is not easy, and Satan's isn't light. And a lot of Christians are living under it, and no, It shouldn't be. Why would, we, why, would we, why would we be living under Satan's yoke? I'm going to tell you why. Because we're unwilling to do what the Word says. You know the average excuse for the believer who says they can't do what the Bible says? Most of them, I'm too busy. Let me give you an acronym for the word busy. Burdened under Satan's yoke. When you're too busy for what God says is critical for your life, you are burdened under Satan's Yoke. God didn't put you there. God God don't want you under that yoke. He don't want you so busy you never have time for the word. You never have time for fellowship with God. You never have time for church. You never have time for the things of God that will help you. But that's what Satan wants. He wants you so busy you don't have time for any of that. Now, when Jesus said here, He was talking about take my yoke upon you. The word yoke here is powerful. In the Greek language, this word yoke, if you look it up, means simply this: you submit to His authority. You submit to His authority. See, what good does it come to do? What good does it do me to come to the Bible, read the Bible, meditate on these scriptures, believe God to get a hold of them, start walking them out? If I'm not truly what submitted to His authority. It doesn't do any good. Because if you're not submitted to his authority, at some point your flesh is going to rebel That's right. and you're going to stop doing it. Why? You're not submitted under his authority. How I many remember when you got born again, the day you got born again? You know what you had to do to get born again? Bible said you had to call upon him as the Lord. Right. What's that mean? You're Lord now. That's right. What's Lord mean? Supreme in authority. Yes. I'm submitted to you. Yes. I submit my life to you. Yes. I receive the salvation you offer. Come on, Romans 10, 13, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be Praise. A whole chapter is about salvation, just about. Yes, right. Got to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he is what? Lord. Lord. Meaning what? You're supreme in authority. See, there's no true salvation without yielding lordship to Jesus. But as our pastor said many times, once I've yielded lordship to Jesus and salvation, I mean, you know, I can take it back. See, I can take that lordship back and still be the lord of my life and call the shots and do what I want to do. Or (laughs) I can learn of him. Come on, I can take his yoke on me. How do I take his yoke on me? You are lord of my life. I'm willing to submit to anything. Your word tells me I will not argue it. I will not fight with you about it. I will not try to reason myself out of it. I'm not just talking about what it says to do. I'm talking about it says even what it says to believe in you. See, if I take his word as the way in which I live, it's not just what I do. It's also what I believe. It's also what I say. What does God say about you? Well, you should be saying the same thing. God says you're the redeemed. God says you're more than a conqueror. I say, oh, feel like one. Well, it's not. You're going by feelings. That's going to get you there. You go by what God said. Right. And then you, if you don't submit unto the lordship of his word, it'll never become real to you. Amen. Right? Amen. You got to say, hey, you are lord of my life. And that means I'm willing to do whatever you tell me. I'm willing to believe whatever you say Amen. of me personally. Yes. And therefore, I'm going to walk out what your plan is for my life. Lord. But any area of this Bible that I begin to take what God's word says and discount it, hinders my ability to hear from God in the inward witness. I'm going to say that again. Any area of the Bible that I begin to discount the Word of God in my life, well, you know what it sounds like, right? You know what that sounds like? Well, I know the Word says that, so I discount that part of the Word. Every time I do that with another part of the Word, that I'm unwilling to submit to the Lordship of Jesus, the Word of God, it's going to hinder my ability to hear His inward witness. Because He's never going to lead me apart from the Word. He's always going to lead me in line with the Word. Right? If I'm not learning to just be submissive in the basics of what the Word teaches, how am I going to hear God's voice clearly when it comes to the inward witness? And the problem is Satan knows how God leads people, and a lot of Christians don't realize he knows, and therefore he's going to try to get you through a feeling to think it's God. As I'm about to show you, most Christians still can't even discern the difference between, is that my soul or is that my spirit? Is that just me or is that God? You know there's only one way to know when leading comes if it's you or God? There's only one way to know. That's through the Word. So yoke of submission here means, a yoke means, excuse me, submission to what? Submission to His authority. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Go to that Holy New Testament coffee shop called Hebrews chapter 3. And let's look at some verses real quick. Thank God we can walk in God's plan. Thank God it's a good plan. Thank God it doesn't lead to frustration, stress, and fear. Doesn't lead to worry. Doesn't lead to burdens. I can walk in rest. Say, I can walk in rest. God has a rest for us to walk in. In the Old Testament, children of Israel, we're about to read it, He had a rest for them. He has a different rest for us. They couldn't be born again. He had a place of rest for them even in the Old Testament they could get into. That if they would have listened to what He said and did it, They would have got into that rest he had waiting for them. It is no different for you, as we're about to read, that there's a rest for you. But you got to hear this word and do what? Do what it says. Believe what it says. If you do, guess what you can enter into? Rest. Rest for what? Your soul. Which is your mind, will, and emotions. And therefore, when stuff in the natural comes at you, guess what that rest does? That rest rises up as a peace within you. And it guards your heart and your mind. It guards your heart and your mind from not wanting to submit to God and do what God's told you to do, even when the natural goes contrary to it. Hebrews chapter 3, you still with me? Verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will do what? Tell me out loud, please. Guess what I need to do every day? Guess what I need to do every day? Today. Today, if you will hear his voice, meaning what? I should be hearing his voice every day. How do I do that? Open the Bible. Open the Bible. Today, if you will hear his voice and not what? Not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Talking about the children of Israel in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers did what? They tested me. They tried me over and over again. Notice. And they saw my works for 40 years. They saw the miracles and they still wouldn't submit to him. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray where? Why? Because they wouldn't do what he told them. They wouldn't follow his leading. They always go astray in their heart. And they've not known my ways. Notice this. So I swore in my wrath they shall not do what? So they could not get into the rest God had for them. You can you can. He only had a promised land of rest for them in the Old Testament. You and I have a promised land of rest internally that we can receive and walk in anytime we choose. If right. we'll do what? Hear his voice today. Yeah. Do what he says. The more you hear his voice day in and day out reading this and do what it says, guess what continues to increase in your life? Rest. Right. Rest. Yeah. Frustration goes away because you start applying the Bible. Start living what the Word of God says. Yeah. Do you really think coming to church is bad? Do you really think praying is bad? Do you really think reading the word is bad? Do you really think forgiving people is bad? Do you really think giving to the work is bad? Work of God is bad? No, these aren't bad things. These are good things for your life. Why do so many Christians not do them? Because like these, they hear, the, they hear what he said, but they just continue to do what? To do their own thing. Guess what you're not going to do doing that? You're not going to enter into his rest. Why? You're not taking his yoke upon you. I'm going to take his yoke upon me every day that I can amen. and thank God I can can I get an amen? amen drop down with me please if you would here to verse 14 we have become partakers of Christ in the New Testament if we will hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end second time he says it brings it up again just said today if you will do what how many think this is important yes. shout it at me Tamara Very since she's the only one responding today if you will hear is what Do not do what? Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. How do you harden your heart? You just keep doing your own thing. You just keep choosing to do what you want to do. Yeah, but I got this. Yeah, but I got that. Let me help you. Whatever choices got you where you are today, you can turn around and start making choices to change all that. It's a matter of a decision. It's a matter of a choice. You're living out today your choices of your yesterdays. If you're not walking in rest, I'm going to tell you why. You've not made right choices. You've not chosen to get under his yoke. You've not chosen to uh, submit to the Word of God, do what the Word of God teaches. Verse 16, he's comparing Israel to us in their natural context of their rest. For who having heard what the Word obviously was to them, who having heard did what? Rebelled. You know what God calls those who hear what he says and don't do it? He calls it rebellious. They rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? With whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom again did he swear they could not do what? Enter his rest. But to those who what? Did not obey. They didn't do what he told them. They could have. What could they have entered in had they done what, they, what he told them? They'd entered in the rest. Now, two of them did. Who, who was the two that did? Why? They had a different spirit. How about them? Amen. What was their spirit? They submitted to God. They took on his, his uh, yoke in their day. I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I'll go wherever God wants me to go. Amen. I don't care what, what else my flesh desires, what people say, or what anybody else goes on. I'm doing what God says. Amen. You still listening? Hallelujah. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, a promise remains of entering his rest. See, we have a place of rest in God. When are we in that place of rest? Doing the will of God, walking in the plan of God, just like them. If they'd have walked in the plan of God, would they have gotten rest? Yes, they would have. Can you get rest internally? Yes, you can. How do you get it? Doing what God tells you to do. That you don't keep reading the New Testament and hearing it taught and just ignoring it and keep putting it off. Every day you put off doing what the Bible says, you put off entering into God's rest. Mercy. <clears throat> I said, every day you put off doing what the Bible says, you put off entering into God's rest. Well, I tried that. didn't work for me. That was your problem. See, trying it doesn't mean he was Lord. No, right. Trying it means you're still going to actually hold on to your lordship because if I don't think this is working the way I should, I'm going to stop doing it. Well, guess who's still Lord? You are. If Jesus is Lord, guess what you don't do? You don't try it. You say, no, you're Lord. I take on your yoke. Praise God. I'm yoked up with you. I'm not, making the sh- I'm not calling the shots here. Come on, I'm not trying to pull this yoke off a different direction. I'm just, I'm just yoked up with you, man. Amen. And how awesome to be yoked up with Jesus. How much more powerful are you? Amen. Very much. Verse 1, since the promise remains of entering rest, let us fear. Let us have some reverence and respect for God. Lest any of you seem to have what? Come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not what? Didn't profit them. Why? was it mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, why was it not mixed with faith? They heard it. Why was it not mixed with faith? Go back, if you would. The Bible answered that question for you. Right. Did they hear what God said? Yes. What does verse 18 say? Notice to whom did he swear they would not earn his rest, but to those who did not what? Okay. What did they not do? Obey. They didn't obey. Faith without works, works is. Yes. They didn't mix it with faith. Meaning what? They didn't do what he said. Amen. I'm going to tell you why they didn't do what he said. Because they weren't really submitted to God to begin with. This wasn't, God, we really want your way. No, God, we don't like what's going on in our life. We want you to deliver us, but we don't want to change how we're living. We don't want to change what we're doing. We just want to keep doing what we're doing, but we want you to make everything good. And you know what God's saying? I can't do that because your way is a way of destruction. Your way is following the plan of what really ultimately goes back to Satan in this world is the way of the flesh. Tonight you're going to see this. God shows you clearly in the Bible you have two choices in life. The way of the flesh and the way of the spirit. And it's all based on your mind. On. What you set your mind on. Right. What you focus your life on. Verse 3, notice this. For we who have believed do what? We enter that rest as he has said. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter, their rest. Uh, enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. God's plan for you was finished before the foundation of the world. Yes. How do we enter that rest? By faith. If we believe in God, we don't just believe in the salvation message. Thank you, Tamara. If we believe in God, we don't just believe in the salvation message. We believe in all that he says. If what he said about salvation was true, and that was a good thing for my life, everything else he says about what I'm to do is true, and that's a good thing for my life, the same as getting born again. Not just born again. And then keep living my way in rebellion. I'll miss out on the rest God has. So I don't have to do that. Verse 4, he has spoken in a certain place of a seventh day. In this way, God rested... Uh, notice this he says, uh, let me back up, verse 3. Uh, for we who have believed to enter that rest, last part, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for, verse 4, he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again, in this place they shall not enter my rest. Sixth, since therefore it remains, some must enter it, and th- to those to whom it was first preached did not, because of what again? disobedience again he designates a certain day saying in David today after such a long time as has been said the third time today if you'll hear his voice and do not what now some no people say well that's just getting born again no this is far beyond just being born again because he's going he's going to go on to tell you that here in the following verses right. there's a rest for the people of God yoked up with Jesus guess what you find rest well you can get born again and not be yoked up with Jesus He's the Word. You can, you can actually ask Jesus into your life, be born again. Many Christians have, but they're not yoked up with the Word. They're still doing their own thing. Guess what they're not getting? Rest for their souls. There's a rest for the people of God. Amen. I said there's a rest for the people of God. Amen. Who's going to walk in the rest? Those who hear His voice and obey it. Yes. Amen. And it starts with the Word of God. Notice verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have after, afterwards spoken of another day. Therefore, uh, notice, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. So that be us. For he who has entered God's rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Can I translate that for you? You're not living according to your plan. You're not doing it your way. You're doing it God's way. You do it God's way, guess what you do? You cease from your works. And you say, Nope, my way ain't the way to get rest. God's way is the way to get rest. I choose God's way, Amen. whether it's receiving salvation or walking out what God has for your life. How many know you don't get born again by your own righteousness? Right. But even beyond being born again, how many know you can keep living out your way instead of God's? And if you're living out your way instead of God's, you're doing what? You're trying to do your own works. And God already, think about it, God already did the work for you Amen. to live out a good life, yes. a way of rest. Yes. But if you keep doing your works, you keep doing your way, you're going to miss out. I got to hear his voice and follow it. Amen. Where does it begin? Word of God. Word of God. Notice this, verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works what he wants to do as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore do what? Be diligent. To do what? To enter that rest. Guess what? It doesn't happen just by happenstance. Guess what? You got to become a diligent doer, of the word be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone do what fall according to the same example of disobedience so how pastor do I know then if I'm walking out what's my works or what is God's plan how do I know that oh man you're such smart people verse 12 gives you the answer how do I know for the word of God say the word of God say the word of God watch this the word of God is what it's living woo it's powerful But it's also what? Sharper than any two-edged sword. What does it do? It pierces. Even to the division of your soul and your spirit, man. Just as of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So how do I know, pastor? How do I know if I'm yoked up with Jesus and walking out of his plan or my plan? The Word. The Word. Because the Word is what reveals that's you, that's God. Oh, I don't believe all these preachers saying we got to go to churches. that you or is that God? I happen to know God told me I don't have to go to church. Do you think God told them that? I happen to know I don't have to forgive. I don't have to repent of my sin because I've already been cleansed of all sin. Is that what God said? Did God, say, did God tell believers not to confess their wrongs? Did God not say to forgive and confess when you've done wrong? Yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah. Has God not told us to be givers? We well, I don't have to give. No, you don't have to. Well, God told me I don't have God didn't tell you. God didn't say that. How do we know? Because the Word separates what's you and what's God. It separates your soul, mind, will, and emotions, your reasoning, from your spirit who's born again, who knows what's right in the sight of God. So how do I know, Pastor? How do I know going forward by the leading of the Holy Spirit when I'm following the inward witness? The Word. Because whether you know it's you or not, guess what? This is how you're going to know. It's going to be revealed by the word separating what's you and what is him. Can I get a better amen? I'll give you a great example in closing. Brother Hagin, at the latter part of his life, went back and pastored a church. One one last time he pastored a church before he stepped out in his full-time calling as a teacher. God told him to. But he said, the first time I went to that church, man, guess what? He wasn't supposed to be there. God didn't call him at that time. It was a wreck. It was horrible. It was a bad situation. 14 months worth. And he said, man, when I ended that 14-month stretch of time that I'd committed to them, I was never so glad to get out of the bondage that I put myself in because I did not follow the inward witness. I didn't follow what God said. I went by the natural. This was a church that was congregation ruled, which ain't biblical, by the way. Right. Therefore, they voted the pastor in or voted the pastor out. You know what what he determined, whether he was to be the pastor of the church or not? If I get 100% of the vote, I'm the pastor of the church. And he got 100% of the vote. He said, I put out my fleece. I'm going to talk about this later because we're going to talk about ways you're not to be led by God. In the New Testament, you're not led by fleeces. There's no verse for that. Well, Gideon was. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. You listening? He said, the only time I put out a fleece, I got fleeced. And so did the congregation. And he said, every time I would get prepared, I would be so excited about my message, I'd get in that pulpit, and it was like somebody threw a, a wet rag on me. And I couldn't hardly preach a word. And after several months, he said, even my wife said, you know, uh, you know, Kenneth, he, she said, you've gotten where you can give a pretty good little talk. <laughs> he said, that's about all I was doing. No anointing. No anointing. The minute I get in that pulpit, no anointing. My like, God... You made a mistake. You're not in my calling. See, people think God's just going to bless me for whatever decision I make anyway. Oh, no, he would be blessing what's not right. See, some of you don't understand it. You think, hey, I can just do whatever I want. God's going to bless me. No, he's not. I said, no, he's not. The, the children of Israel did whatever they wanted. Guess what they didn't get? They didn't get the rest. God didn't bless their life. Why? You're not doing it my way. I can't do it your way. Your way's wrong. My way's right. The quicker we realize God's way's right, my way's always wrong, better off we'll be. If I'm going my way, not God's. Amen? Amen. So months later, after he had left that church, actually I think a couple years later, sometime later, I don't know how long, he said, the Lord told him to go back and pastor that church. He's like, oh, Lord, go back to that church, man. Are you kidding me? He said, listen, if this is you, Lord, he felt this witness inside him, not like a voice, Kenneth, go back, pastor. He just felt like a witness and kept coming back to him, kept coming back to him. So he said, you're going to have to reveal it to Aretha <laughs> because I know she won't want to go back there either. So you're going to have to reveal that to her. Well, they would wash dishes together at night after, after supper and he was washing dishes with her. And after several weeks and she hadn't said anything, he said, has God spoken anything to you? She well, if he has, I don't know it. So he just let it go. Went on a couple more weeks. He said, you know what? I got to kind of bring her out on this deal. <laughs> I got to prod her along. He said, uh, you remember that church that we just pastored a while? Oh yeah. She said, he said, have you ever had a thought about going back there? Oh no. <laughs> she said, Would you want to go back there? Oh no. Has God said anything to you? She said, Oh, that's what I'm hearing. Oh. He said, Well, what do you mean? Tell me. He said, She said, You know, I just keep feeling like we're supposed to go back, but there ain't no way I'm gonna go back to that <laughs> church. You know how you knew that was God? Guess what her flesh. Guess what her flesh didn't want to do. Guess what Brother Hagin's flesh didn't want to do. But guess what God said. What if your flesh wants to do it? Don't mean it's God. We're not led by the flesh. So he went back and obeyed God. One of the best times of his life as a pastor. They helped that church. They raised up another pastor to take over the church. And then he stepped out in his full-time preaching ministry as a traveling teacher preacher. Amen. How do I know if it's God? I'm going to tell you how you know. The Word of God. The Word of God will separate your soul from your spirit. Meaning what? If it's of God, it's not going to be my flesh that's going to confirm what I know God wants me to do. It's going to be confirmed in my heart. And it will not go contrary to the Word. Was there anything about him going back to that church that would have been contrary to the Word? No. They needed a pastor. You listening? Yes. But there's no verse that says, Brother Hagen go pastor that the church. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't go contrary to the Bible. He can teach him. He can be a pastor. He's done it before. Right. You listening? Yes. And now he has a witness of God to go. How do you know it's God? His flesh really didn't want to do it. Amen. If he'd obeyed his flesh, he wouldn't have gone back. Right. And guess what he had done? He'd have missed God. Yes. You still here? Yes. I said, you still here? Yes. So guess what you need to do first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen? The Word is what reveals, listen to this, the Word is what reveals what is of our own plan and what is of God's plan. And if I'm not going to walk in the basics of what the Bible says as it relates to me as a New Testament believer, I'm not even yoked up with Jesus yet. I'm still walking out my plan. Every time you keep ignoring things the Bible says you're to do and don't do them, you continue to walk out your plan, that's not going to bring rest. Here's how you know you're out of God's plan. When you're in God's plan, what did Jesus say he would give you? Rest for your soul. Where's your soul at? Mind, will, and emotion. Where's your soul today? Does it have great peace, great joy? Does it have a true understanding that I'm in the will of God, that I'm where I'm supposed to be? Because when you get hooked up with Jesus and do what God says, oh, it's not comfortable to the flesh, but guess what it'll bring? It'll bring a great peace. It'll bring a great joy. Any good amens on that? Why? It's coming up out of your spirit. It's not your soul's happy now because your soul gets what it wants. No, your soul's still carnal. That peace is coming up out of your spirit. That joy is coming up out of your spirit. Guess what it's doing? It's overtaking your soul. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So guess what we need to do, ladies and gentlemen? Get yoked up with Jesus. Make sure that we're yoked up with the Word of God. Quit, quit in any way, shape, or form. Quit re- uh, renouncing God's Word by not choosing to do it. And just simply say, Lord... If I'm not able to apply that to my life today, I'm going to start doing whatever i got to do to correct this so that I can. Because this is your will. This is your plan, and it's a good plan. And this is how I'm going to know what's me, and that's how I'm going to know what's God. If it lines up with this, it's God. If it don't, then it's me. I don't want to do what's me anymore. How about you? Amen. Stand to your feet.